It's the Score North Twin Show. So their competition within that division is not great. At the same time, they've got a chance here. and It's going to be difficult for them. They probably will match up with one of the AL West teams in the first round, and that's not easy. But at the same time, this is a better Twins team than we've seen in recent postseasons, and I expect a better showing. I expect, first of all, a win. One win, a game win, and then maybe even a series win. Oh, baby! Maybe even a series win! Ken Rolling out of bed. Rolling out of bed into his broadcast room and dropping that. He had, there's a graphic, he, there's a, like a longer version of the clip where he puts up the 0-18 graphic too. Yeah. Explaining it to people. Because most people, unless you're from Minnesota, it is the least publicized postseason failure streak in our lives. In Maybe in like 100 years. But no one talks about it because it's the twins and whatever. You know, they're just like the doormat for the Yankees. Pat them on the head and send them back off to their <laughs> Uber driver job. It's also you know? over such an extended period of time. I think it's hard for people to identify with. Yeah. Because it goes back so far. That, that's what makes it even more impressive. It spans generations. It spans presidencies. It, sp- it spans all these yes. things, you know. But this I mean, is the Frank year. was still on, for Christ's sakes, when it started. You're right. 2004. I mean, think yeah. about what was still going on. Think <laughs> think about what things, you know, how, how much has changed. Yeah. So, well, the Twins last night, it looked a little dicey earlier. Like, oh, God, is, Cle- is this Cleveland their last gasp? They're going to come in here and do some damage. But uh, the Twins bats woke up. The Twins relievers, the bullpen came in and locked it down. And as you can see on the YouTube channel here, the Score North YouTube channel, Declan and the Score North graphics team has put together a magic number countdown graphic, 24 games, ladies and gentlemen. 24 games. As the Twins uh, journey their way toward their first playoff game victory in almost two decades, which is all we really want on this show. So, I mean, you, you know, I think we should let Judd choose which positive story we want to start with here on the sure, Score Twin Show today. So here are the options. We can talk about the Twins being one of the highest scoring offenses since the All-Star break. We can talk about the Twins having their best young nucleus since blank. We can talk about Cody Funderburk being the left-handed answer to this bullpen. Yep. We can talk. I mean, you you pick a pick a positive path for Let's us to start with. Let's combine one and two because because one and two that you just gave us are linked very much. So the Kitty Core and, and the run scoring. It's no it's no coincidence that the Kitty Core has played a. a Huge role. And I want to start yeah. with this, a Royce Lewis appreciation, because, you know, the so first good. half of the season, how many times, how many damn times were the bases loaded and they couldn't even score a run? Yeah, Forget a grand yeah. slam home run. I'm talking about they couldn't get a guy home from third, okay? So in the last two days, Mr. Clutch has come up and hit back-to-back grand slam home runs, making him the first player in Twins history, this franchise has been here since 1961. They've had sluggers like Harmon Killerbrew, Bob Allison, Kent Herbeck, uh, Jim Tomey played here. Puckett had power. Declan, have you and, heard of Jim Tomey? And, well, he didn't want to be here at the end, so, oh, oh, you're taking a shot, Declan. I wasn't even, I know, yeah. this is an appreciation, damn it. This is an appreciation. Could have been a listen shot at both you guys, actually. Yeah, listen, I am, I am telling you right now, um, don't sleep on what Royce Lewis brings here. 
And I'm not saying he's not going to make mistakes at times. And I'm not saying that he's going to be perfect. And I remain very concerned about his health until he goes through an extended stretch of not being hurt. But all of that being said, there is a clutch gene. There is something that he has that I will contend even some really good players lack. Even some really good players lack. This kid mm-hmm. has something that, and, and I know that the the advanced metric folks are going to bristle here, but he has an it to him. You know what the I, stat the stat is called? Twinkle in his eye. Twinkle, yeah, no, There's seriously. There's a little twinkle in his eye he when he comes play, up in those He spots. loves to play baseball. He embraces opportunity. He seems to like pressure. Oh, my God, a Minnesota sports figure who enjoys pressure. But I will say that your first thing and your second thing, Phil, are tied directly together. The offensive output has coincided with Lewis coming back from being hurt in Baltimore. Matt Walner hit another ball halfway up the seats and right last night. Um, If you start to look at what these kids are doing, in my opinion, they have reinvigorated a team that looked really damn stale for a long time, which is the thing I hated most about this team. Yes. And we can, I, I would like to go through and like, is this, when is the last time we've had a, a nucleus like this, that they're, they're all rookies or we can even throw and like Kirloff. Who? Oh, I, I said, and Julian too. Yeah. I well, Jul- well Julian's the one that gets overlooked because, he wasn't a name that people were following all throughout. Like, we were following Royce Lewis. We were following, I know Kirloff's not a rookie anymore. We were following Kirloff. Matt Walner is from Minnesota, right? So there, some of these names have been tracking for a handful of years. But they're, they're all coming together. They're all guys that I don't think at the beginning of the season, maybe Royce Lewis a little bit, Kirloff, uh, and hopefully he comes back from the shoulder here in the next two or three weeks. The lineup card on opening day wasn't reliant on Edward Julian. It wasn't reliant on Matt Walner. You were hoping that those guys would get off to a hot start in AAA. Another name, too, that has absolutely come alive, and you you weren't sure what he was going to be after another injury stint, Jorge Polanco looks as good at the plate right now as we've seen in a couple years. That ball he hit last night, just an that was a third-deck moonshot home run. I love, too, the little bat flip. This this team's got a little more swag to it than they did a couple months ago. Having fun. Yeah, please don't, uh, Twins Twitter, please don't compare this team to the Bomba Squad. When I saw that tweet come out last night, I almost, my head exploded. I don't know if you guys saw that after they hit. I think it was probably after the Polanco bomb. It said, you know, they showed up the video highlight and said, Shades, the 2019 Bomba Squad. Well, the Twins put that out? On their own Twitter page. I don't yes. want, no, that team wound up being one of the biggest disappointments in franchise history. Okay. Hello, Rob. Like, Let- I, I want... <laughs> Nothing to do with it. No, 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 Let no, no. that sit in 2019. We need yes. a new shtick for this year's team. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but it, it is interesting because I think Polanco has come along nicely. And honestly, I think uh, nice of Rocco Baldelli to maybe listen to the Score North Twin Show because the first three guys in the order yesterday were the exact same three guys I gave to Judd in a potential game one playoff lineup. Mm. So I, I think those three guys are really the core here. And Kirloff is the wild card because he's beginning to swing a little bit. There isn't really like a set timetable on when he comes back, but I still want him in the middle of the lineup, presuming he's healthy by the time the playoffs roll around too. Yeah. I mean, the fact that everyone we're talking about here is 24 or 25 years old, not counting Polanco, who's Polanco seems like he's 38. He's not even 30 yet. He's just, his body's been through a a lot of stuff. He looks old too. But how, 
how do you feel now in terms of not just the next two months, but the next three to five years, you've got, you've got a group of guys that are emerging into their primes. They're all clicking immediately upon impact in the major leagues, right? I don't know that I have felt this way about a twins nucleus. I guess you could go back to, back to that Bomba squad season. Cause at the time it was, Sano was you're still very hopeful Sano was going to become yeah. a franchise cornerstone he had a big year in 2019 Max Kepler had the best season of his career as a young cornerstone before that you probably got to go back almost a decade to the maybe more than that like the Maurer Morno sort of Kadir was a little before those guys Hunter was before those guys I would honestly go back to early 2000s when the Soul Patrol and basically Corey Koski and Mikhevich, all those guys, yeah. Minkavich, like, I think it's more reminiscent, to be honest, of that than it is of Dozier and Plouffe. Or obviously, Mauer and Morneau were MVPs, but, like, Dozier and Plouffe, that better be the damn floor. Like, that's 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 the floor of, of good good young nucleus. All due respect, my Swarzy guy. and Husey. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But yeah, I think didn't. it's more reminiscent of that because, I mean, you have three guys here that are really contributing. And when you look back at that 0-1-0-2 club that had all those nucleus players starting to click and hit their primes, I think it's more reminiscent of that. So I think the difference here is, and, and this all, again, goes back to, Royce Lewis and can he stay healthy? I think the difference is when there is a guy who's considered the linchpin of that that group. Like Buxton was supposed to be that that guy, and unfortunately, it's you know it became quite clear health wise it was never going to take place. But Royce Lewis to me is a jumping off point for, for so like if if there was a poster of this group, the Kitty Core poster, right? It's not like they all get equal billing. Royce Lewis, to me, is front and center, and then everyone else is around him. And that's what excites me, potentially, again, if he stays healthy about this. Because he does, he, there's always one guy that I want to see who you're like, you know what? That guy's really young, but he's more mature than the rest. Like, Mm -hmm. he's doing things, and by mature, I don't mean away from the baseball field. I mean on it and phil you you were around the sport enough to see this too like it helps if there's one guy who says you know what dudes i got this i'm 23 i don't care i got this you know to go back to and not to make the direct comparison but you know puckett had that puckett had that sort of just calm i've got this but he was boisterous and it worked so i think what excites me about this is lewis looks like that guy and last night that felt pretty bad man it's an inning and a half in, you're down by four, your starting pitcher does not have it, and it's very clear it's going to be a struggle. And instead of the bases are, load, are loaded and Royce Lewis grounds into a double play, he hits a grand slam, and that ballpark, that dugout, that home dug, everything changed instantly. And you went from, oh, my God, you're going to lose this game, to it's six to four, and Cleveland, and here's what I love, too. When the Twins did that, it's not that Cleveland completely quit, but when they bailed at the deadline, players were clearly like, screw it, right? And so like the Twins, in my opinion, starting with what Royce Lewis did, they took away Cleveland's will to play. And that's the type of thing, again, it's not quantifiable, but you can feel it. And that's the type of thing I think is so instrumental to success. As the resident baseball analytics nerd here, which is how I've sort of rooted my coverage of the twins over the years as a beat writer, everything. 
I am a firm believer that there is an unquantifiable human element to winning teams. There's a, there's a chemistry element. There's a, I, I love the way you put it. There's sort of a, Hey, we're playing a team that we know we're better than. And maybe you're not able to, to drum this up every single time you come to the plate or every single clutch moment, but this is a time to flex a little bit and, and put a team away or overcome a bad start. And Go back 20 years, you know, I, I think Declan's right. This is probably, we're talking about the four guys we're talking about are all 25 years old or younger. Like the four, we're talking on the on the lineup side, not the pitching side. Kirloff, Royce Lewis, Edward Julian, Matt Walner. Those are the guys that have helped carry this offense, you know, for parts of the last month or two. And they're all 25 or younger. You need a group of young players like that that all sort of band together. They don't give a rip about last year's failure because they weren't really part of it. They don't give a rip about the 0-18, like truly don't feel that pressure. I thought the Rosario, like Rosario was kind of that for me for a while. It's like maybe he's the one that's going to change the culture here. And, you know, they still wind up getting drubbed by the Yankees. But that team in 2002 had a bunch of dudes who were, I Minkiewicz mean, was a little older, but like Pierzynski was 25. Uh, Christian Guzman was 24 years old. Torrey Hunter just turned 26. David Ortiz was on that team, just turned 26 and was really good. Kadire was kind of a late in the season uh, revelation. He was 23 years old. There's something about a bunch of dudes who are like just beyond college age coming up in the major leagues, playing off of each other and 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 building a culture. And that maybe I'm being too like optimistic off a nice little weekend against the Rangers and the Guardians, but the vibe feels different now than it did two or three months ago. The vibe feels different now not than though. it did a year ago. So I, I am not by any means assuring success, but here's where you are 1,000% right. It is different. And, and some of the players who, to me, felt sort of like worn down and frustrated, when you bring up kids who are good, it affects things. It affects moods. It affects confidence. When when you go from being a team that could not get a hit with the bases loaded for essentially half the season to having a first-round stud draft pick come up and be like, screw it, here's two grand slams in two days, the mood around this team has 1,000% changed. Now, I don't know if it's going to continue into the playoffs, but the other thing, too, is – in my opinion, this affects people in different ways. I will continue to say this with, with no evidence at all other than the eye test and the timing of his hot streak. I think Matt Walner was the greatest thing to happen to Max Kepler possible <laughs> because Max Kepler was a dead ass. And look, this guy has, has talent. There is no question. I can't watch him play and think, oh, man, you know, he, he had no talent. And he clearly has proven he has talent. But there was no threat there at all. And when Walner got called up, if you guys recall, the whole thing was, okay, he can play right field, right? And that threat, if you go back and look at it statistically, that threat, all of a sudden Kepler's like, oh, oh, hold on a second here. And he got hot. So I think in different ways it impacts veteran players but phil i think you are dead on right the atmosphere in the stadium last night i think is shifting because now it's fun it's fun to see kids it is not as great as as Correa is a short it is not fun to see him bounce into six four three four six three by the way That's he, not he, fun. he did speak about how the plantar fasciitis that he was dealing yeah. with back in may is still a yeah. major thing and that's that's probably a 
more logical explanation for his worst season of his career than mm-hmm. like, oh, he just forgot how to play baseball or something. So, yeah, Dex, well, go ahead. Look at the last two games where they have fallen behind, what, 5 nothing and 4 nothing respectively. And typically, now if that happens in the playoffs, I don't love this like recipe to do it all the time, but they have fallen behind significantly early in games, which usually is just like, all right, well, they're not going to show up today. And they've used guardianism again, battle their tails off, and they hit clutch hits, and they get big-time pop from their young core, and they overcome that. That's where I think Phil's point of this new nucleus not having a care in the world about what's happened in the past, and they can also still rise up in the clutch and do something of significant importance that's where it's it's pretty cool to see because if you fall nothing fall behind four to five nothing early on it can be tough to come back and the and the twins have basically taken that ball and ran with it the last yeah. two games and then just like big picture again just looking at you know the next three to five years of this nucleus you're going to add Brooks Lee to it at some point probably he's been sputtering a little bit in AAA this year and they and and his positions are all kind of clogged up so something crazy would have to happen in the next two or three weeks for him to get called up this year. So he probably starts next season in St. Paul. If he starts red hot in late April, early May, then we're on, we're on Brooks Lee watch. He's going to be 23 years old next year. And now all of a sudden you got five guys, all 25 years old or 26 years old and younger in the same bunch. So it'll be, uh, It'll be interesting to see if they can all keep performing because we've some of the there were some guys that kind of fell by the wayside among the old group too. Like Christian Guzman was really good for a couple of years and then he kind of faded and right. he wasn't wasn't part of it long term. Right. You know. So May first, two thousand twenty four, Brooksley at third, Correa at short, Julian at second, Kirloff at first, Royce in center field. Where's Buxton? Um. It's a good question. DHing again? I think Brooke. I think I think Royce Lewis plays third. I think Royce Lewis is okay. your third baseman yeah, he's now. Not going to center. And then Brooks Brooks Lee Patrick probably plays second. Is, but I, I think Pat, I think Pat heard that they're going to spend the off season trying to work him in the outfield. Teach but him I'm with the, you. Teach I, him where I, the warning I like track him at third is. Base. I I like him at third base. I'm fine there. You'd have to basically. I mean, you got to move. You got to move someone because Julian. Yep. Julian probably can't play second base. Brooks Lee at second, Correa at short, and okay. then Roy- Royce Lewis at third. And then does Julian play first base long term in DH? But then where does where do you, where do you put Kirloff, Walner? Right. I mean Kepler's going to be gone because he's thirty. He says he doesn't fit the timeline. I guess there's two ways to look at it. The first being baseball just kind of has a way of working these problems out on their own with injuries. And someone gets hurt, and then someone takes their spot. But obviously with Judd's um, uh, proclamation here on May 1st, if assuming everyone's healthy, where does everybody go? Well, now you kind of have this surplus of riches. So do they want to maybe – I'm not into, interested in this, but do they want to look at that as we have a surplus of riches? We have some holes in our starting pitching going forward. Yeah. Do you trade one of those guys? You can actually get something legitimate back. I'm not really in that camp right now on August 29th, and – that's where I just think baseball kind of has its, way, its, its own way of working itself out with injuries or just with ineffectiveness. But that is on the table for them if they want to this offseason, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've worked Julian out at first base, too. So it yeah. all, it, some of it's like, do you feel comfortable with Kirloff in the outfield or would you rather Kirloff be a first baseman? You know, I, I'd rather he be at first base. Yeah. So, oh, but these are kind of these are better problems to have than what they've 
seemingly had the last two or three on the pitching side, by the way, uh, the, I think the, the big development is they haven't had a reliable lefty out of the bullpen besides Caleb Thielbar all season. And here comes Cody Thunderburk down the backstretch last night. So Thunderburk has been one of the best pitchers on that uh, sort of revolving door St. Paul Saints staff. He was a starter for a number of years, a 15th round draft pick out of an obscure college in Texas somewhere. But he's a six foot four lefty with a 13K per nine rate this year at St. Paul, kind of a cutter, sinker, slider guy. So they, they may have stumbled into here with Cody Funderburk, another left-hander that they can have down the stretch going into the postseason. Because you need more than just Caleb Thielbar in a playoff series. Yeah, and he, he was, um, I, I heard on the postgame last night, he and some guys from the Saints were on their way to the state fair, and Toby Gardenhire called him and said, hey, kid, you're going up, I think, tomorrow, wow. but I'll call you back. And and then so Toby called the player development guy, and he's like, no, no like he's today. calling up right now. So he's like, <laughs> go to Target Field right now. Funderburg got there, and Baldelli said, hey, you're probably going to pitch, so be prepared. That's awesome. That's so, like, the whole thing was just uh, – Yeah, because Thielbar had pitched the day hours. before, and, yeah. It's awesome. So, so there – so some of these, this is where, like, I know the, the bullpen kind of is what it is now, but when you start to account for, okay, what if Cody Funderburk is all of a sudden, he's been one of the best relievers at AAA. He showed that he belonged, you know, last night. What if he got the second lefty? And then we went over on yesterday's show, Kent Maeda and his postseason track record as a reliever is lights out. He's got like a one and a half ERA over 22 appearances or something against that cheating Astros lineup and the world champion Cubs so all of a sudden, and he got rocked last night as a starter, but all of a sudden he moves to your bullpen. Yeah. And maybe they're going to spend part of September and Louis Varlin's going to be a flamethrowing option. Like you can, you can start to see how this bullpen looks a lot different projecting toward the beginning of October than it's sort of felt the last couple months. I think the most important thing right now in, from a pitching standpoint um, and his start on Saturday was pretty productive, but Joe Ryan is going to have to be fully back. I think he has to start. If you go three games, I think he has to start game three. Like, I don't see an option now. And Ober's going to go to St. Paul to be shut down basically for a while, probably. Yeah. So he's so been, like, yeah, it's been bad. So like that whole thing is weird. Um, but I think the one thing is if you go three games in that first round, Ryan absolutely positively has to be the guy that you can start in game three right now. It definitely feels a lot better that you have Pablo, Sonny Gray, whatever order it is for one and two, because I, I really can't remember the last time the Twins have had such a solid one-two punch to go into the playoffs. And then I wouldn't say game, game, yeah, I wouldn't say game three is a wash necessarily, but you're going to need Joe Ryan. But I kind of if Thunderbird has come up here and Louis Varlin and Kenta Maeda can kind of be these swing men in the bullpen. I don't mind piecemealing together potentially a game three or like a game four situation in ALDS or CS where I feel a lot better about this than I did probably a month ago. Yeah. On the Bailey Oberfront, this is a good idea. Just give him a two week break or something. Cause he's, I believe if my math is right, I think he's 14 innings beyond his previous career he professional is. high. He is. Yeah. In 2021, as a 25-year-old, he threw 16 innings at AAA and, and 92 innings at the major league level. And so he just, you know, before that, 
2017. I don't know what he did uh, in college. I don't have his college stats in front of me, but 75 innings in 2018, 78 innings in 2000. He's at 122 innings right now. So can if you can shut him down for a little bit, let his arm breathe, and then bring him back maybe as a reliever or something, there might be some live bullets in that arm toward the end of September and October. Or are you saying they might shut him down for the year? No, I'm saying I wonder if if they would shut him down through at least the first round, though. Because in three games, you, you could build a bullpen, especially like with your points about starters, where he wouldn't have to pitch there. I don't know. It just seems I understand why they're doing it. I just don't know what their plan is now. Yeah. So oh, we'll see. But they've now they have a they have a, an abundance of riches for their postseason planning. It looks Game like. three is Joe Ryan handcuffed to Keuchel. Well, if Keuchel's on your postseason roster and you also have Funderburk as a second lefty, then yes, Keuchel would be a handcuff to a starter. But if Keuchel's your only other lefty, you might need him out of the pen against lefties. Okay. But, yeah, you probably. Or he's just a handcuff to any starter that gets smoked. You might have, yeah. like, if, if your first starter gets well, beaten game one, you might I would hope game one and two you don't get smoked. But that's true because Gray is susceptible to just falling apart for at least an, an inning. And then that's the thing with Gray, too. I don't know how long, if he does that, if he falls apart in the fourth of game two, Ordinarily, I think you just allow that to play out. I don't know how long you allow that to play out, though, in such an important playoff game. Yeah. Hey, we got a little Immaculate Grid challenge here to get to, presented by our friends at Nutrisource. Maya, Maya Mackey was, was early on the alarm again this morning because she just can't resist her Nutrisource chicken and rice. It's her favorite thing multiple times a day. Stella is the same exact way. In fact, she loves to go outside because you know what? When, when she gets inside, it's training rewards tree time for her. So when Stella Zolgad gets her hands on Nutrisource, it's pretty much the same as when Vinny Boy there gets his paws on that delicious food, Declan. He does. He does the sit, does a little one paw up, a little shake, a little, little, little hey, yep, I'll oh, yeah. shake, I'll shake for you. I know you guys were out on the shake when we like talked about this a year ago, but I love me a good dog shake. Okay, give me a good little paw up here, buddy. We can do this. I love yeah, it. Did I say that? Yeah, you guys were out on the shake. Well, Maya knows how to do it, but it's just like you a point, it's a pointless command, you know, and just it's like showing off, I guess, which is fine. You know, it's fine. You know what, Dex? When I see that badge, and and I know it's appeared on the screen a lot before. You and the dog sort of do look alike. They say your dog, you know, you you, you look like, like look your dog. hair. I will look at say his hair. this is so this is as long as his hair has ever been. He goes a little shorter. I mean, old Dex Sweets just got his haircut in preparation for uh, his engagement photos later this evening. Oh, but yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, we we got to look swap. That's important. Gotta look you guys swap. look good. Yeah. If you want to look good and enjoy your food, all the dogs out there listening and watching the Score on Twin Show, go to uh, NutrisourcePetFoods.com. NutrisourcePetFoods.com. Dot com. If you're sore, go to summitorthopedics.com. If you're dealing with any type of pain, this is for humans, no offense, dogs, ankles, feet, back, whatever it is, Summit Orthopedics can help. No referrals are needed. They offer same-day appointments. If you're really hurting, they also offer walk-in orthopedic urgent care seven days a week from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., 25 locations across the Twin Cities. Learn more at summitortho.com. All right, boys, we'll put six minutes on the clock here. Immaculate Grid Challenge, looking to go nine for nine. Maybe, maybe do a good rarity score. We'll see. We're looking for a Dodger who was once a Marlin, a Dodger who was once a Ranger, and a Dodger who had 3,000 career hits. 
an angel who was a Marlin, an angel who was a Ranger, and an angel who had 3,000 career hits, and a Red Sox who was a Marlin, a Red Sox who was a Ranger, and a Red Sox that had 3,000 career hits. Three, two, one, go. I can give you right now Marlins Dodger Cody Ross. Boom. Good one. Josh Beckett for Marlin yeah. Red Sox. Ooh, point one percent. Let's go. Oh, wow. Nice Impressive, work. impressive. Cody Ross. Josh Beckett's Josh probably going to be like 20%. Beckett but. will be high, but um, you could also use them for this square, too. Cody Ross, you could have. Uh, Fernando Rodney for Angels Marlins. Let's do it. Okay. Seven. Look at us, man. Seven percent. All right. Uh, do you want to go Josh Beckett, or do you guys have somebody else you'd rather? We can, no, we can keep that one Josh in our pocket. Beckett's fine. We can keep it in the back pocket in case something else happens. Okay. Um, Ranger, Dodger. Ranger, who is? Ranger, Dodger. Zach, De- uh, Granke went to the Angels. Yeah. Uh, well, he's Dodgers, oh, uh, too. C.J. Wilson for Ranger, Angel. Ranger, Ooh. Angel, right? C.J. Wilson. Yep, C.J. Wilson. Yeah, I think he struggled in Texas, didn't he? Nine percent. Nice. 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 Seager. Uh for oh, Dodger. Yeah, Corey Corey Seager. That'll be the highest one. Corey Seager. Yeah. yeah, then take Beckett too. It's probably uh you're probably spelling Corey wrong. With a K? E Y. C O R E Y. Oh, E Y. There he is. Five. Yeah, twenty five percent. Yeah, we might as well go. Beckett. We might as well unload Josh Beckett at this yeah. point because we're not Just going to get it filled in. All right, we're doing well here. We got uh, four minutes left. Four Texas, squares left. Texas and Boston. Um, who, who's the, who's the pitcher who's there uh, there now? Um, who's on the DL pitch for Boston in the World Series? Oh yeah, let's um, see performance, and now he's in Texas. David, yeah, um, not David no. Price. Um, God, I'm an old man. That's how tip my tongue. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. E starts with the E, doesn't it? Evaldi. Um, oh, Nathan Evaldi. Evaldi. Okay. Yep. Yep. He's he's in Texas now. There he is. There he is. Evaldi. Below Joe Nathan. That's a good one. Seventeen percent. Okay. Now we just need three thousand career hit guys who passed through these places. Now did Rod Wade? Crew. Did Wade Bog? Oh yeah, Rod Crew for the for Angels. The Angels? Wade Boggs got 3,000 on a home run with Tampa Bay, but he has 3,000. Okay, so Wade Boggs for the Red Sox. Wow, this is a buzzsaw here, boys. We're not even halfway done with the clock. And, I mean, we're, we're, we've butchered the rarity score, but there's only so many 3,000 